ain't got time to shoot the breeze Got no time to blow Excuse me, mister, if you please I gotta go Born one morning on the day of the dead And bombed out bungalow My mama kissed my cheek and said I gotta go I gotta go somewhere I gotta go Wasting time standing here I gotta go They put me Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by Seek Geek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got our February mailbag, shortest month of the year. Justin, how are you doing? Bobby Skinner, hello. We're recording this a little early, so you can have a great time in Daytona. I'm happy for you. I'm even happy for myself. Uh, I'm, I'm not happy, because what the hell? Why, I, I've invited you multiple times to come, and I said you could even stay at my house, and you're just like, nope, I'm not going to go to Daytona this year. But then I looked. Then I looked at express flights or not round trip flights, and it's seven hundred dollars. And I'm like, ah, drive. I actually, it's like NASCAR. I, just drive, yeah. Turn, turn left. Uh, I'll wind up in the ocean, the the Atlantic Pacific Ocean. Hi, Bobby. I'm happy for you though that we're recording a little early, so you can go to Daytona. It's one of the best weekends of the year. Um, and yeah, man, we we got a, we got a football team to talk about and, and it's and it's th- thinking more and more on what it's going to take to fix this current situation with the New York Giants it's 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 certainly a little daunting right now so we have a mailbag a lot of like team building stuff what are they going to do what can they do uh, let's do it yeah no new patreons today and I want to say sorry cuz I have a stack of envelopes on my desk and I just have not gotten around to going and getting the stamps and getting them so those are going to so I know some of our newer patrons are like where's the stickers that you said they're going to send so I'm going to get those out today uh so forgive me if uh if you haven't gotten them um and I'm uh, going to do the we are do the t-shirt contents for this month soon so no ad for patreon today and anything else before we kick it to Steve how about this? Today's uh, episode is sponsored by uh, JM Football, and that is where you can find all of Bobby's draft breakdowns this uh, this draft season. JM Football, youtube.com slash JM Football, however the URL goes. And obviously I do some fun trivia stuff. I do some shorts. There's some there's some other videos that I want to try out this offseason too. But if, you're, but if you're itching for draft breakdowns and you're itching for draft content, JM Football, that's where Bobby's draft breakdowns are going. They've been cranking out. They've been cranking out, so... Uh... You know, go go check them out. All right, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes you want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from NYG fan in Charlotte at Research Rick. Now that you've had a chance to digest and process the Shane Bowen hire, what free agents on defense should the Giants be targeting? Which existing Giants players are helped and which are hurt? I do have a list of free agents right now. I didn't look at like minimum guys. I kind of went through like a top 75 list and and looked at guys that would help, that would fit on the defense, Justin. Um, I don't want to just simply list names. Is Legarius Sneed like a, a lock Dude. to go back to the Kansas City Chiefs, right? He's not a lock. They they got to pay a lot of dudes, right? They're, there's They have a lot of good players on their team. And they may feel with, with McDuffie on their team, even though he's a slot guy, 
they may feel like Snead is kind of expendable. They they may feel that way. I mean, I I wouldn't if I were them. I would kind of prioritize him. I thought I thought he played more like an All Pro this year than McDuffie does. You know, Super Bowl bias aside, Snead is a guy that he follows wide receiver ones. That that was his job in Kansas City this year. So if I were them, I am valuing him. But that was the one guy, Bobby, that. It could be like a James Bradbury contract, maybe a little bit richer than a James Bradbury contract where it takes up like 7 to 9% of the cap. And I'm celebrating that. Like I am like, yes, the Giants have a cornerback one and then put Deontay Banks alongside of him. And man, I'm feeling really good about the secondary, but that's probably a pipe dream. Yeah, I mean, and, but he was in a defense that asked a lot of him, right? And when they also throw a lot of disguised looks, but, you know, within those disguised looks, they didn't have, uh, you know, these these you know huge mishaps that a lot of the disguise look teams do and that's what we know Shane Bellin likes to do like throw disguise uh, th- you know throw different disguise coverages um where I, I feel like that could be the splash right like I got you know Danelle Hunter who I think is worth talking about but I just don't I don't, I don't really see that one happening where I could see if Legarius Sneed does get the free agency I can see the Giants going out and being the top bidder for that at the cornerback position you know they've they're let Adore walk and then pair him with Deontay Banks and, you know, possibly have like a, a really stud cornerback duo to go go with this, you know, hopefully McKinney as well. I'm also like doing this under the guise that McKinney's back. Um, right. Like this this exercise. The other corner that could be a little bit cheaper that could make sense is Kendall Fuller from the Commanders, Justin. You know, he's played outside the last few years, but he's, you know, he has experience at nickel corner, um, can move all around. Like he's a very good run defender. He's eight, he'll be his age 29 season, right? So it'll be a little, you know, he's a little on the older side, but that, hey, that's why he would be a little cheaper. I feel like that could be a good fit where it's like, hey, not, not the break the bank top free agency signing of the offseason type deal, but like, man, this is just a really, this is a really good fit. Like if they, if they want to bring back McKinney, prioritize you know say interior offensive line and free agency then I feel like Fuller could be like a nice second or third free agent for the Giants this year because I don't think we expect him to go insane in free agency either no no um Fuller at one point was playing like that all pro and then it's funny how it was Dalton Philly and I we put him on the all JM team and then like that night he goes up against DJ Moore and the Chicago Bears and just gets cooked gets cooked so um, whoever signs follow this offseason, I would say go to that game to figure out what the hell happened there. Is it is it Commanders just being a really bad defense and having a really bad call defense, or was it something on Fuller? But uh, yeah, I mean he he was for the majority of the year he was really really good. Yeah, and I, I like I I ha- I view this as like hey put him back at nickel corner right you know I I feel like run defense needs to be a priority for how they invest in that position in the future. You know, it it's, may not be a position that they can go and draft in the you know uh, in the top one hundred, and at that after that, you know, you can't bet on any of those picks being contributors, especially early on. So I just feel like he could be maybe a good value uh, signing because hey, tw- you know, age twenty nine corners aren't they're not breaking the bank, and like you said, Fuller had some bad moments this year too. Um, that but that was one else on there. Is there any other corners that like popped into your? your research or mind for this no I, i'm glad you brought up sneed because that was going to be the one guy where it's like oh home run and of course there's going to be other corners that maybe we'll talk about as as free agency gets closer we we kind of take a very laissez-faire 
approach with free agency just because you never really know what could happen. And when the guy signed, that's when we'll go crazy and research them. I will say, though, I think it's kind of likely that Adoree Jackson could be back. I don't know. So I have free agency philosophies and not before before free agency and then react to the players once they're signed. Um, I remember one year we did like, hey, put together your free agency plan. And it was like, a little they too do, much. They didn't do any Anything. of this. Yeah. Um, it's like I watched film on all these guys for no reason. Uh, <laughs> if a door is back, it has to be on a one year deal then. Or a two or a two year deal where the you know, the second year is fake. Like I, I'm not investing. One, he had a bad year this year, right? He's also age 29, and he misses. I mean, he's missed games every single year. Every year, yeah. Literally every single year. I think for the last five years of his career, every year with the Giants, he's missed games. Um, like now, he hasn't had like the seizing long injuries, which is nice. But he's missed games every year, and I'm just not betting on. I mean, corners fall off quicker than any position in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, well, let's even think about this, especially now that we're, you know, we're kind of knee deep talking about free agency. We have a lot, we have a lot of draft questions later on too. The giants have 21 million in cap space right now. They're going to cut Lewinsky, which will give them four, which will give them an additional four or 5 million. So they'll have 25 million. And uh, besides restructuring Dexter and Andrew Thomas, I don't see any other smart... They could, they could cut Boogie Basham. That'll give him an extra million, sure. Um, but I don't see any other big moves the Giants can make besides doing those two restructures that I view as smart restructures. I don't think they should touch Waller. I don't think they should touch Daniel Jones's contract. They may have to. But besides those two things, I don't really know how the cap space is really going to grow up to like $30 million. And then if you include the, the franchise tag on... Saquon Barkley that takes out what 12, 12 million. Let's not include the Saquon. Let's not include the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. That'd be my number one thing. But I mean, you know how it. I mean, but you, but you know my point. It's like con, they don't the really have a lot just, of room. Contracts are just backloaded, right? Yeah. Like the idea of not wanting that to happen is just. It's essentially a foreign concept in the NFL. They're they're backloaded now. How backloaded is is the question, right? Does this become a pain in the ass where you regret it down the road, or is it like, hey, this is just part of of doing business that eventually, you know, those cap hits go. Um, and I think the giants are in a spot where they just aren't filled with talented players. Like that's like one, even though I, I just want McKinney back in general, even when the McKinney annoyance was at its height, right. Where he was saying some dumb shit after games and getting, and just, you know, and also not having like the same playmaker stuff that he had in the former scheme was like, okay, but the giants are not in a spot to let, one of their drafted players walk, you know, on at his first chance at free agency, right? And especially, you know, a second-round guy who doesn't have that fifth-year option. That's obviously difference with Saquon, where he's heading into year seven in place running back. But I, the Giants, like, keep keep their good players, um, you know, unless they're, like, limited players like Landon Collins and we're going to get $84 million over six years. Like, I, I'm not in a – I don't feel like the Giants are in a position to let good players walk um, – but especially with Bowen now, I think McKinney McKinney was more of a priority. McKinney is more of a priority of bringing back now than he was before. Absolutely, and we'll, we could talk about him and the good players to for him. Uh, other guys in the secondary. This would be a little bit of a luxury, 
I love Kyle Duggar of the Patriots, right? And they let their guys walk. And I, I think D'Amico Ryans probably doesn't want to let him walk. I think he would fit perfectly. He can move all around. He's like the ultimate chess piece in the NFL. He's been one of my favorite guys to watch. Uh, watch. He plays the run extremely well. You can play him at every spot on the field. Um, he would be awesome to have here, right? And we've seen you know, I know everyone devalues the safety position. I don't, but hey, good. You know, the Buffalo Bills pay two safeties, and they've been paying two safeties for a long time in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Also, Jabril Peppers, right? It's a reunion that could make sense. Now, Bone is going to have split safeties a little more, but he likes to rotate them down. But Peppers can fit that role well. He just He's a little bit, bit more limited to what you, he can do in disguise. But if, you know, I, I could see Peppers. I, I would just love having Peppers back. I think he would help a lot with the run defense. And I think he's a lot better in coverage than people really ever gave him credit for. Um. Up front, I mean, Danelle Hunter, right? He's only 29. 12 or more sacks in four of the last five seasons. And the one season Jim was injured, there's experience with Andre Patterson. Like, the Vikings are in a spot now where it's like they feel like they're going to let him go, even though I disagree with the Vikings doing that, right? And I disagreed with them letting Zadarius Smith go. Uh, He's awesome, right? Like he would be instantly our best pass rusher since since when, right? Since JPP was at his prime. Yeah, you know, and and obviously Andre Patterson has worked with him, uh, and I, I think there's a lot of tread left on his tires. You know, where if if the Giants were going to go, be like, hey, they set they set the market at this position. Danelle Hunter is that is the only guy who I think is really. Worth doing that, right? Where he's close to the top money for defensive ends on, you know, a, f- a four-year contract where the fourth year isn't out. Zadarius Smith, even though he's a little older, Zadarius Smith is 31. He's a free agent as well. I put him uh, on the list. I, I think he's, he's going to be 32 at kickoff. It would have to be a short-term deal. And then you ask the question, should the Giants be spending a lot of money on a short-term deal on a 32-year-old player? That's my – although I love Zadarius Smith. If we were in a win-now mode, I would want him. But I, I, that's the one where, I, yeah, it'd be cool to get him on a short-term deal. But I think a contending team is going to want – will pay him because he's worth yeah. it. The two Ravens edge rushers this year had a really good year. Kyle Van Noy, he's he's been a former future giant for years. Years. And- <laughs> 2020 draft, pre, you know, free agency preview. I think Kyle Van Noy was on that list. Except he had a really, he had a really good year this year. And, then, and also Genevieve and Clowney. There is a Tennessee Bowen tie there, except Clowney played like eight games for the Titans and didn't get like his worst sack. year of his career. Yeah, man. So I, I don't know if Bowen has a really good taste in his mouth for Clowney, but... Uh, like these these edge rushers, I feel like that this is what the Titans this is what they were they like just big linemen like big strong tall linemen and you know Clowney certainly has size um, Zedaria Smith at two hundred and seventy five pounds he's certainly a guy that has size is not your stereotypical kind of lighter faster edge rusher right and I feel like that's what Bowen is going to try and uh, that's that's the type of guy that Bowen's going to want to try and add to this defense. Yeah, I, I I agree. And then Bryce Huff from the Jets. He's 25 years old. Justin, I mean, the Jets have drafted first-round edges in back-to-back years. They have JFM and Carl Lawson. Maybe Carl Lawson's coming up on free agent. I can't remember. I uh, should have looked that up. Like, 
they might let him walk. And you know he was only behind Parsons and Miles Garrett in pass rush win rate, and only behind cool. P- Parsons and pressure uh, percentage. Carl Lawson is a free agent, by the way. Okay, so Carl Lawson's a free agent, but they, hey, they still there is like you know because they are in the same stadium, you do see some hubbubaloo about Jets and what's happening with them, and there's a thought that Bryce Huff may not be there. Um, so like that's that's the that's the you know I see Jets Twitter, I see them talking about Bryce Huff maybe leaving. Uh, here, I see them debating about Zach Wilson and how he was treated, and then I see them posting your video, Justin. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw that, like, f- a few days ago they were posting your video again. Like, Still? Is- yeah. I was like, well, what is going on with this? Pl- these people? I mean, I, I don't I don't throw this phrase around too often, but, I mean, I, I, it's not, I think that's the definition of rent-free. Uh, 10 sacks, 21 QB hits for Bryce Huff this year. And the main thing about Bryce Huff only played 480 snaps this year, 42%. Uh, and he played in 17 games, so it wasn't a hurt thing. Um, so 42% of the snaps in which he was eligible to play it, he played in. There's just a lot of mounts to feed over there in New York with the, the pass rush rotation that they got. And Huff had a really, really good, efficient, good. He had double-digit tackles for loss, too. So 10 sacks, 10 tackles for loss, and 21 QB hits. Yeah, he, he was stellar, right? Like I said, pass rush win rate this year was... Michael Parsons, Miles Garrett, Bryce Huff. He's going to get a lot of money. Maybe. uh, Yeah, I I guess. I don't know. It's going to be. I mean, he wasn't like a starter for them in reality. No, he wasn't. Uh, Do you you have any other guys on the free agency list? I know we spent a good amount of time on this one. We don't have a ton of questions today, so that's okay. No, I I mean, I don't have anybody specifically, but a guy on the interior, kind of like a, you know, Ashawn Robinson is a free agent. Um, yeah, my mind, I just viewed it as like bring back a Sean more so than like, let's go find a new defensive tackle. Yeah, I, I think I'd be I think I'd be OK with that. Like in my brain are the are the Giants really going to find a, a more substantial upgrade than a Sean Robinson? Like I would be happy if the Giants found a Sean Robinson in this year's free agency again. So you might as well just go back, go back out there and get a Sean Robinson. Yeah, so. absolutely. And then for the other part of this question that asks, you know, who are some players that this benefits and who are players that it may uh, cause issues to? I mean, Xavier McKinney is the big winner in this, right? Like Bayard had nine interceptions in his first two seasons. That's where, and, you know, we saw McKinney thrive in a similar uh, type of, you know, philosophy under Patrick Graham, where it's like, hey, rotating down, rotating to the middle of the field. And, you know, safety versatility is so key for Shane Bowen. And, man, Xavier McKinney is good in every single role, right? Like, I thought in 2022, Justin, he was their best linebacker, right? Uh, so, McKinney is the, the easy answer. I think it's going to help Kayvon. Right now, I think Kayvon living up to his potential is all on him. But they have produced high sack numbers for their guys essentially every year in Tennessee, even though they don't always have the best pass rush metrics i think the one thing that kayvon's got going for him is his time to pressure last year was really really good and i don't i don't think kayvon thibodeau was the beneficiary of a ton of untouched pressures and untouched hits and certainly not untouched sacks his sacks were great like they were great moves that a lot of guys in the nfl can't do it's just about consistency with kayvon so, I mean, you know, here, here's the argument. Is that, oh, well, the, the Wink-Martindale quarterbacks and the quarterbacks that the Giants played, they get rid of the ball quicker. And if you look at the time-to-pressure stat, even last year, if you look at the time-to-pressure stat as a team, 
I believe the Giants and the Titans were very similar in terms of, you know, time, time from the snap to getting pressure on the quarterback. And that was with two very, very different philosophies where the Titans would run four. Um, you know, they run their stunts and, and they, and they, you know, and then the Giants would blitz. That's what they, that's what they would do. So two very different philosophies, but ranked similar in that time to pressure category. So hopefully the theory is, is as the quarterbacks feel like they could hold onto the ball for maybe a little bit longer, it gives Kayvon more time to get after the quarterback, get back there, um, you know, get, get some more QB hit. I, I just want Kayvon to be more well, well-rounded. It's, it's not Kayvon Thibodeau would producing negative plays was a plus plus this year. Uh, did it much better and did it at, did it, much more than I thought that he would. You know, double-digit tackles for loss, double-digit sacks. It's just the the rest of his game being more well-rounded and hopefully Bowen's defense and, you know, the new outside linebacker coach, hopefully they can get Cave on there. Yeah, and let's see a year – like we've seen the flashes. Let's see the consistency. Let's see a year three bump for Cave on. I don't think that's an unrealistic – like Cave on is the prime candidate in the NFL for like – look, he was a – product of high sack numbers but not consistency but he's also a candidate for like a year three jump too uh okarike it doesn't i don't think this scheme helps or hurts him but i do think it will probably hurt his box score stats as far as creating negative plays even in in coverage right because you knew the ball was quicking coming out quick so you diagnose it where in this defense i think he will be a little more avoided uh, again, compared to last year, where he was able to get his hands on the ball a lot because the quarterbacks were forcing it out, and he did he did a good job of undercutting some stuff. Um, and then players that I think it will affect negatively, Cordell Floss is the easy one, right? I mean, I've never seen a guy miss so many assignments in zone coverage. Uh, also, if you're going to be playing from lighter boxes, you need your nickel corners to be better in the run defense. I'm I'm kind of out on Cordell Floss. Mike and McFadden, I, I think it'll he won't be able to play as fast and free in this defense. Will he like will he have the same green light? Will he, you know, if Isaiah Simmons is not back, is he going to be taken off the field on third down? I, I want to have a, a conversation with you about Banks because I think Banks will fit fine in a zone scheme. But we did draft Deontay Banks to be a man corner, and there's nothing better than a corner who can just lock down in man coverage. Do we take away some of his ceiling if he's in this, hey, rotating the coverage type defense? No. No. No, if anything, let me know if I'm wrong here. If anything, I'm excited for Deontay Banks to disguise some stuff, and I'm excited for him to be a guy that maybe rotates, you know, pre and post snap into baiting a quarterback into thinking that you got one thing, but then pouncing on another thing. I mean, that, that was his first NFL interception was yeah, exactly was that. It was exactly that. All right, I'm going to let you think that you got this open and no, you don't. I'm going to pounce on it. Uh, what I'm, you know, what, what I'm looking for out of, out of a CB one, you know, and, and it's, and it's done in multiple different ways, right? Not just, obviously you want that man coverage lockdown corner, but if you're getting interceptions, if you're forcing incompletions, even like what we saw James Bradbury do in 2020, which was a lot of zone coverage, and he still made plays on the football, still had interceptions, and still had those pass deflections. I don't really care how it's done. It's just I I feel be- much better about Cordell uh, uh, Deontay Banks now than I did just being this man coverage press man corner. Yeah, and, and hopefully they'll let him do that as well too, and that stuff will be mixed in. Uh, but like you said, like, 
that shit showed up at Maryland. His instincts yeah. and zone coverage when you're disguising stuff, right? And like it said, even it showed was, up last year. It wasn't yeah. just at Maryland. It was last year too. Yeah, his first interception. You know, I did a video breaking down like his first interception in college versus uh, some plays he or first interception in the NFL versus some plays in college. Um, Banks is obviously like the big like, hey, let's see uh, the big year two jump. I'm excited for that. Uh, all right, Justin. We spent- especially one more thing on Banks, and especially with Banks where. At Maryland, you're, you're kind of wondering, where's the ball production? He didn't really have a ton of pass deflections, and he, he barely had any interceptions, right? No, I think he had one his freshman year. Yeah, and that was, you know, you know that was a couple years ago. Um, I, I I think now, if, if they move to a little bit more zone, a more zone-heavier scheme, I know they're going to mix and cover one in there, too, and they should. They should mix and match everything. Um, I'm more excited for... Deontay Banks' ability to make plays on the football when you introduce that. Because really, you haven't seen the ball production and that and that type of you know production, at least on the on the box score. You haven't seen that when he's running man coverage. Yeah. All right. We gave Research Rick a 20-minute question. How about yeah. that? I was worried that we wouldn't have enough on this podcast. Justin, next question. Carve Stone at Carve's Toe. There you go. Tons of crazy talk about the Giants trading up in the draft. But with many needs across the roster and great depth in the draft at key positions of need, might trading down make more sense? We could still pick up a high-quality offensive lineman, quarterback, wide receiver, later around one-plus add picks. What are your thoughts? I think it should absolutely be an option, but I think because of the quarterback talk, it's not really even being floated out there. I really think it can be an option, especially if the you know the quarterbacks go in the first three picks right and then there's a team at 12 say the denver's like hey scrambling to to get up and get whoever right and the giants just don't view these quarterbacks worthy of taking with that pick like i'm i'm in team not forcing quarterback uh and i, I think there's lots of wide receiver and o-line talent in this draft right which is two of the giants needs um and so i'm i have my mock draft video coming up justin and i'm working through something where like Malik Neighbors very well may be the best player available at six. But part of why I love this year's draft class is like, man, I feel like there's wide receiver one talent that's going to fall to the second round. I really do. Whether it's Xavier Worthy from Texas, Troy Franklin from Oregon. And I'm like, man, that kind like this, like I, like I'm in a point where like maybe go wide receiver in the first two rounds. Right. Like, cause you know, talk about my whole best player available over need talk. Um, but I also think offensive tackles should be in play for the Giants in the first round, despite the fact that everyone's against it, right? And hey, if every if all things were even, my priority list would go edge, wide receiver one, offensive tackle, like cornerback before free agency outside of quarterback. But guess what? Not all things are equal. And maybe that's like a, a perfect position to target if you're going to to trade down. And I I already hear the arguments. We keep on can't keep on drafting offensive tackles. We can't draft three offensive tackles in five years. Okay, well one is our best player on offense in Andrew Thomas, an All Pro. The second one is a bust, right? And yeah. Evan Neal, he is a bust right now. He can hope hope to God he can have, uh, you know, be better under co- uh, new coaching. But right now he is a bust. So I hate when people bring that up because it's. When they say it, they make it sound like you're trying to do like a, a strong three-man tackle rotation. 
No, we're just realizing that this investment didn't work out because he's not a good player, not because he's an offensive tackle. So I absolutely think that should be in, p- in play if the best player available is there. If Neil showed like any sort of progression in year two, I would be saying no. Offensive tackle should be off the board for the Giants, but he didn't, and he got injured and missed a lot of games. So, um, so the long story short, I am saying, yeah, a a trade down should absolutely be in the cards. And I think this coaching staff is not going to, hope to God, put us in a spot where we're not needing to trade up for a quarterback in the next draft. Repeat that last line again? Well, I'm saying like having the, uh, the more future assets to trade up in the future... Is a very welcome uh, thing. Oh, oh, oh! Like you, yes, I, yes, I want Joe Shane and like, Brian Dable. Would you not yeah. love Denver's? Does Denver even have their first round pick next year? Probably not. Yeah. Well, let's just say. Actually, I want I want Denver to want JJ McCarthy very bad. Okay, let's just say they do have their first <laughs> round pick next year, even though I don't think they do. Wouldn't that be be the prime candidate of like, oh my god, they traded away a top five pick? In the 2025 draft for JJ McCarthy, yeah, would it would it not be perfect? Like, could you not see Denver being a total shit show next year? Um, you know, with the, their lack of, well, I guess I gotta stop saying Denver because I don't have any damn draft picks. Yeah. Uh but my my point being is like I think a trade down should absolutely be in the cards, and that's because I I, I actually really like this draft class. I think there's a lot. Like, this is my favorite draft class since 2020. And 2020 was a great draft class. They need great players, man. And if if that means getting the great player at six, because just like they already have, they already have so many draft. They they are right, maybe they don't have the same draft capital that they did in 2022 because they had two top 10 picks and then plus 17 other top 100 picks. So maybe it's not the same draft capital as that year, but they still have a lot of picks in the top 100, man. And they need great players. And if there's a great player that's available at six and you know he's a great player, you know, part, part of me, even though I would, I'm 2018, 2019, 2020, Justin would be punching myself right now because it's like value and accumulate picks and the draft is a lottery, blah, blah, blah. But the Giants, they've had picks. They've had top draft capital picks since Vietnam. That's what we've been in every year. And, you know, some that we've hit on and some that we've missed. And, and a lot of Joe Shane's top picks have, have been more or less misses. They got to get great players in here. And it's like they already have enough top 100 picks to, if they hit them, to change around the team. If they want to add more, great. But I, I, I agree with you. But also, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a position where it's like I, I want, I don't want just good players. I don't want, oh, there's, this draft is filled with depth. All right, but you can get a good player in the back end of the first round. I want a great player. And if Malik Neighbors is going to be that Jamar Chase type of alpha receiver, then I want him. And I, and I want him there. So. Yeah. I mean, I kind of – they do have their first round pick in 2025, uh, the Broncos. But I'm not talking about, like, draft trading back from 11 to 20. Right, like like in twenty twenty, I'm talking about dra- trading back from six to like twelve at the lowest. Um, but my point being is that, like, I think it should be in the cards. Right? Oh yeah, and, it should be in the cards, one hundred percent. 
And so it's, I just think like the second round wide receiver talent wants me to not want a wide receiver in the first round. But when I'm looking at these players, I'm like, man, that's, that's the guy who, if he's there that I want. Um, now I agree with you. Like I want Malik neighbors too, most likely. Um, and I'm not going to look at, you know, one of the most annoying things I, that I dislike is like, well, we can't draft this guy here. Cause look at the players in the second round. So I'm going, when I say that in my head, I know it goes against what I believe going against the grain. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like, if, a team is willing to, you know, trade away a, their future first, uh, a second, and whatever. Then I'm, and we're only dra- dropping back six spots at maximum. Then I'm four. I don't want to tra- tra- trade back down to eighteen or anything. I agree with you there, um, but I, I do think there's great players in this draft. I really think it's there's a lot of top player. Like, I mean, there's wide receivers projected to go in the second round who I think would have been wide receiver one last year, who would have been top twenty picks in the last draft. So, <sighs> all right. Next question. Next question. It means no Corys. No Corys. Rita's handle. That's it. Puts it all together. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Corys. It means no Corys. Anakua Matata. Sure. What a wonderful phrase. Not including first round picks. Which second slash third year players would make the biggest impact on the team if they could take a sizable jump? In so I feel like that's be reasonable, right? Like you can't be like Josh Azudu, uh make a jump yeah. to a stud guard, right? It made it made me think of what what made me think of like you you mentioned Josh Azudu. Um, you, you can't mention Cordell Flott since he's a guy that we don't even know if he barely exists in the Shane Bowen defense. It really just made me think of. Outside of Wando Robinson, like how much of a shit show that 2022 draft class is? Um, in my opinion, the third, know, the third I've, round. I think you got solid players in Belton and Bellinger. Belton, I think he's a good depth piece. Hopefully, can grow into like a Julian Love role. Uh, Bellinger's a solid piece, but yeah, we need stars. John Michael Schmitz is the one for me. Right, like he has every reason to be a really good center in the NFL for a long time, but he does need to bounce back. And we saw a little in the beginning of the year, and just the the year kind of tailed off for him, right, and got out of control. Um, but like you see, good like traits and fundamentals, but he's just got to come back ready for like the strength of the game. And I I really thought, hope Carmen Brasillo can add some stuff to his game to throw up defensive linemen because I think what happened is like, hey, he had some good hand usage and shit. But he was kind of going back to the well with the same stuff, and defensive, you know, tackles caught on to it and knew what to expect. So they were timing up his punch and stuff. But if he comes back like ready, some new, you know, uh, tools in his arsenal, also like comes back a step forward in like and protection and stuff. So like to help maintain, you know, with some of your lacks of ability and lateral movement, I think then you now you have two out of the five offensive linemen set up without whatever additions or improvements there are in other players in Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz. Yeah, I'm with you with Schmitz. You know, uh, Nikki Snacks has been you know, carrying the torch for years about just how important center is and captain of the offensive line. That's the dude that sets the calls. That's the dude that just sets the intensity for, for what a game could be. You saw Nick Gates do it, do it for a couple of years there. And 
you, you certainly want John Michael Schmitz to do it. Just how just how important it can be to have like a center. Okay, yeah, we just have our center for the next ten years. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to touch it. We don't even have you know we can just wipe our hands clean. And that's going to be the dude that's going to lead the offensive line for years. And he's a really good player too. That would be that would be awesome. Um, Wanda Robinson has potential to have a really really like if you want to talk about a breakout year. I think Wandell Robinson has the potential to really have a breakout year next year. I, I, I really do. And I, and I hope, and that's regardless of what quarterback is under center, even with Daniel Jones, with all his flaws. Led the team in catches. Um, you know, the uh, we'll see what happens like quarterback. But we, we've seen in back-to-back years, the slot wide receiver have a lot of catches and a high catch rate in this offense with Richie James. And then we saw Richie James, you know, not be able to even play on a bad wide receiver group with Kansas city. And then Wandale has more athleticism there. Another, you know, we forget because he came back so well from the injury that he did still have that injury. Uh, you know, I do think there's some explosive ability in Wandale's game that isn't there with for other, you know, five foot eight slot wide receivers. So that's a good one. Hyatt is also the other one I want to throw out there that I think because of Hyatt's ability to create a big play. So like there's a reason why he only had 374 yards and it's not simply just quarterback play, right? Of course there were some big plays left on the field because of quarterback play, but for him to be more than just a, 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 you know, one of the best alerts in the NFL, he has a lot of stuff to grow on into his game. A lot to grow on it. But he's got all the ability. We'll see if he can like get better dealing with press and you know and getting better. Like I think his route running improved, but just you know, releasing the right way and, and not dealing with the, the corners who are gonna try and disrupt him, because that's what they're gonna try and do with him. But obviously there's ability to be like an eight hundred to a thousand yard receiver and maybe maybe even more if he can really, really improve. But he does have to improve because we talked about it. Like, if they go draft a wide receiver, one of Malik Neighbors, right? Well, then, like, the role for Hyatt gets really muddy because he's not a better wide receiver than Darius Slayton. And while he's a better explosive threat than Darius Slayton, well, guess what? Slayton is good at that. Slayton was the only explosive threat for a long time on the Giants. Uh, so you're not going to force him on the field over a guy like you, like Slayton, like you did Isaiah Hodgins because of that, that ability. Uh, so Hyatt, I mean, I, I think year two is critical for Hyatt of like how much are you involved? Like he's always going to have a role because that speed cannot be teach and it is so valuable. You know, one one catch for, you know, 50 yards is way more valuable than three catches for 35 yards, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, but to get to the player that he wants to be, there is a lot of work that's needed. But I think it's a re- I think he can make a reasonable jump forward that could really impact this team in a positive way. I know this is kind of coming out of left field, but, you know, I I think both of us are in the boat of not tagging Saquon Barkley, letting him test free agency, and letting the market dictate what he's really worth, right? How do the Giants think of Eric Gray's rookie season, and how do they view him as an NFL pro right now? Because running back is the one position that, I think it's just the most seamless besides maybe besides wide receiver. Oh, lights are off. Turn them lights back on, children. Turn the lights off. No, no, turn them off. Oh 
carpet. Here, I'll turn off my lights in solidarity. No. Um, Eric Gray. Running back, I feel like, is one of the positions that's just has one of the, se- the, the most, I'll just, I'll just say, it, I think it has the most seamless transition from, you know, the college to the to the pro game. You see running backs that are just, that you snap their fingers, and if they're ready to go, they're ready to go, and they are and they can be one of the league's best right away. And I still um, like Gray as a runner, even though, he's, again, he's not the athletic, you know, there's a reason why he fell that far, because I think he has athletic limitations. I like Gray as a runner. But like you said, his rookie year was kind of a wash because one, Saquon got so much of a load and also like the blocking ability or the lack of blocking ability he showed in the preseason made it hard to put him on on the field. Um, But like the the one game where he actually got carries in Miami, I know you'll look at that box score and not like it, but I I liked him in that game. I, I, I came away happy with him. He had one blocking rep and he did a good job on that. Uh, so I guess yeah, Eric Gray is kind of becoming the forgotten, you know, young player on this team. I turn my lights off. I'll turn them back on. Turn them back on. Yeah, because if we're if we're going to be living in a world without Saquon Barkley, well, then it's then it's the conversation of what does this running back room look like, and is it a? You would have to presume that it's a running back by committee that they're after letting Saquon Barkley go that they're not going to probably give a somewhat of a sizable investment in a running back. I mean, maybe they would. Maybe they would go second, third round running back. I, I don't know. We know they like and they got, They Cook. have to invest something into it besides, you know, another day three pick. Right. But you would think uh, my point is that the second that if, if Barkley does leave, Eric Gray's role automatically does. I mean, his his role increases and it, and it takes and it takes a big jump. So um, I really I wanted to I wanted to throw him out there in the mix. Yeah, we need so we we will do our free agency like re- for the Giants pending free agency, and we'll have a, a deeper conversation about the running back position. But even though I think both me and you are in the let's Saquon walk, you do have to address that position. Like running backs do matter, right? And maybe it'd be a good way for me to get back on that fight is if let it you know I think the right decision is to let Saquon walk, but talk about how I I do think running backs matter. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to imagine if we did this. Imagine if they did take Jay. I think Buffalo might have taken him way earlier than I was even comfortable taking him. But I was all in on James Cook. If they if they drafted James Cook and James Cook is, is still here and Barkley is gone, and then you have that that seamless transition. And that's an example of Buffalo. They you know they gave somewhat of a sizable investment at running back. I believe like a second, a second or third second, second. round pick. They went third third second in three years in a row yeah so that was somewhat of a sizable in, in investment at running back and I, and I and i think that's fine i i i'm totally on board for a player like james cook who's dynamic and then you know th- this year he became one of the league's most dynamic running backs so i'm all for that all right next question next question uh this is coming from kaharski's donuts at kaharski's donuts if that's a real place let me know. I love donuts. Uh, not to say that adding talent everywhere isn't important, but what positions do you think the Giants least need to address this offseason? In other words, what areas of the roster can they feel most comfortable going into next year? So we want to spend a lot of time on this question. So to me, the answer would be safety if they keep McKinney. Tight end, because you have Bellinger's a safety net, even if you don't trust Waller's health, which you shouldn't. 
Um, linebacker, like I don't want or need a huge investment there. And, and I don't, you know, I was, I really like Peyton Wilson, but he has injury concerns. And I saw someone today say the other day, like, Hey, he's linebacker one in this class. Um, if, if it's not for the injuries, but to me, the point of this question is it's hard to find like what, what position this is where like you talked about it in the Super Bowl recap, man, where it's like, man, this, this doesn't feel so good right now as a Giants fan. Cause it's like, what, what position there's really not very many positions where you don't say this, right? Cause even two like, of the three that I mentioned safety McKinney's a free agent and tight end your, your player's injury prone and he's, and he's getting older. Um, and that's where, that's where it's like a little not fun to be a Giants fan right now. I also <laughs> interviewing Chris Nee. I had a moment, Justin, where I'm like, this shit was a long time ago. Yeah, like it's it's we're getting so far. We're getting far away. Like we are, you know, we're we're five years away from the the twenty year anniversary of yeah. the two. Like I was asking about the helmet catch, and I'm like, oh my god, like this is this was a long time ago at this point. I mean, people people view me as like a, a still like a kid. I'm not. I'm I'm twenty five, turning twenty six. I'm not kid anymore. I, we. I'm a man. We I'm we 40. won that. We won that first Super Bowl. I was a child. I was a child. Oh, child. I, 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 that's the same thing. <laughs> mine. I was like, I have coworkers who cannot physically have a memory of that game. No, that sucks. Um, so get back to the damn Super Bowl for the love of God, Giants! Like I, I need yeah. it so badly in my life. I do not. I see these other fan bases who like the Lions and shit. I was like, I. Much fan fun as the Lions are having right now, like they've had twenty years, thirty years of just being miserable. Like, let's not yep. do that, please. No, Joe Shane, I like you. Brian Dable, I like you. Let's figure this damn thing out. Let's add some studs. Let's coach him up, and let's win some yeah. freaking games. To quote the great philosopher, Mister Brownstone. And I will say, like going back to the, probably the Rams game is is the was the most like enthusiastic I was about this team, like going forward, like, Oh, I feel like all they need is a quarterback and give me a quarterback. And let's just see what this co Let's just see what this coaching staff can do. It is kind of well, crazy. One quarterback how, does change everything. Cause it at least it gives you a high floor. Right. So that's the hope. But I will say the fact that this coaching staff isn't e even worse than we thought. Cause it was the offensive and defensive coaching staffs. And we didn't really have a, a full idea towards the latter part of the season, just how bad it was and just how impulsive Brian Dable is reportedly all of this. And it has really nothing to do with who they draft or, you know, or like on the field stuff, even though I think the performance of the staff does trickle down to on the field, right? It is kind of crazy how much, that this early part of the offseason and hearing all this about Dable and hearing the, the 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 tension with Kafka and Wink and it kind of has really put a damper on me more way more than I thought. Oh, absolutely. And I know people want to close their eyes to that shit, but it does make this this year three feel not as like a all right, let's you know, let's take hey, continue to develop. You know, they had a good first year, but hey, this this was always kind of part of it. Um, and the fact that they're not in range for the top three picks for the for the quarterback. So yeah. um 
Yeah, man, like this, always... this is a, a, a fucking pivotal year, right? Yeah. Like this, this, this offseason is gonna, it's gonna decide futures. Even if they get a year four, which I think they should, and I, you know, it's gonna take, it's gonna take some bad things happen to get me out of that boat. It's like, man, it's that's it. This this offseason is what gonna decide whether you're in a good spot going into year four or not. Yeah. All right. Last question. Last question. This is mainly mainly a you question. Are RJ AT and Shane we trust with a five instead of an S? Do Neil and or this is Evan Neal. Does Evan Neal and Charles Cross change the way you scout tackles as far as a balance and feet threshold? Fake splits or not, I don't think there are many tackles that won't have to change anything going into the next level. And those physical traits are the base of everything. So RJ's been asking this question for a while, and I told I told him save this for the off season because I do want to tackle this, but I need more time. I need to go actually watch Charles Cross and see how he's done, and you know see full season numbers and stuff. So it has changed. Where I put so much more of a like if you have bad balance, I'm kind of just out on you, right? I think that's the biggest change, right? Where Evan Neal had all this good film and stuff, but. You know, it was consensus like he ha- he does have balance issues, right? But even in his wins, right? Like, you know, I did a film breakdown of him versus Trayvon Walker. He wins, but Walker does have some moments in there where he's able to get Evan Neal off balance pretty bad and able to, you know, get him on the ground. Um, But Charles Cross does not change it for me. Uh, so I actually went and watched Charles Cross and I looked at the numbers. You know, you know, Charles Cross had a, like a lower pass blocking efficiency than Aquanu. But Icky had the 11 sack, so his second year gets talked about a little more. Um, you know, Cross had gave up six sacks in three less games. He was 54th out of 73 offensive tackles in pass blocking efficiency. And uh, he's, he's still not very good in the run game. So I, I went back and I watched Cross. And I do see some, like, there's good film, right? I think there was, the conversation with Cross was never like, oh, he's going to be a horrible tackle in the NFL. What, to I guess part of it was, but to me, I was like, man, I just don't see a great tackle here. And the Giants have the fifth and seventh overall pick. I'm not taking him with that pick. With Evan Neal, I did. I was obviously wrong about that. I don't think it, it, it changes much with Cross. So I see good tackle play, but I also see bad tackle play from Cross too, where it's like you don't see like the his bad plays aren't horrible, but he's just never really dominating throughout a game. And, and the games I went and watched were like games where he was graded highly and not like the games where he gave up, you know, a lot of sacks and a lot of pressures and stuff first, like the top pass rushers. Um, so I, I look back at that and don't say, man, I wish we'd have got cross over Neil. I would rather have Charles cross than Neil, but I look back and say, man, I wish we'd have get on Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson or Kyle Hamilton or George Karloff this. Uh, I, I don't look back and, and wish we had cross. I actually think I might take Aquanu over Cross at this point too. I think if Aquanu was sti- if Aquanu has a good work ethic, which is always the the hardest thing to figure out throughout the draft, I think Aquanu could be a candidate for a breakout in year three. I really do. I don't. I don't. I I know he had put up a lot of bad film. I don't look at him and say, "Oh man, this guy is so so far away." He's a really good run to blocker. He improved as a rookie in uh, in that Steve Wilkes, you know. Uh, Panthers team uh, but they were also running the ball a ton so 
I like at this point, I I, I might take Icky over Charles Cross at this point. And Icky was my offensive tackle one in that class. It was Icky Neal and then then Cross. I'm gonna stop calling him Icky. Icky. Icky Icky. Justin, why the hell aren't you coming to Daytona, bro? I'm gonna be seeing all our friend Mike Ford, who hooked it up for me. Uh, you know Dominic. And Are you going on Sunday? Well, no, I don't think I am because I don't have anyone that's available to go with me. I asked, only- I, I asked my brother and he said no. I'm like, okay, thanks. That's really that's thanks, really rude. Thanks, thanks for the discussion, bro. That's real. So that, that's the only reason why you're not going on Sundays because you don't have anybody to go with. But you, you like, let's just say I've we, asked yeah, everybody but, and they're just like, no, nope, can't do it, can't do it, can't let's do it. Just, can't do let's just let's just say which. Let's just say I. Oh well, yeah, I, my, I have uh, friends that are going Friday with me, right? You know, to the truck race Thursday. I'm just going up on myself. I, I get it. I can't get people to go on a Thursday. It's a work day. Um, but people just don't want to spend the bread on the Daytona 500. No, 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 no. no, no. All, right, all right, so that's the difference. Would if if I were to come, I, I can't at this point. If I were to come, would you be able to hook it up experience wise with the people that you know that we could that we could get in on Sunday and we could have a good time and we could get tickets. We could go to the fan zone and stuff like that, um, but tickets? No, we couldn't get that. Right, we'd, well, have we have just, we'd have to just buy tickets. They're not. We have something to work on. We have something to work on for next year. Um, I thought about applying for media and stuff and had like all the right contact info, but then I just was like, no. Nope, I'm, I'm also, gonna... the view the view for media and NASCAR races isn't great. No, I mean they basically watch from uh, you know, inside the, the media room for the most part on TV. Yeah, no on their computers and like listening to the scanners. But I did um, download the NASCAR app. So for the duels on Thursday, I'm just going to put the scanners in my headphones. That's awesome. Because they're not sound. I think that will work, right? Like they're not going to be so loud that I can't hear my AirPods. Right. I'm trying to go to Bristol. That's the that's the next race I'm trying to go to. What about Charlotte? Well, of course. Yeah, that's an every year thing. Already, already locked in. Talking Giants party in Charlotte. Make sure you're there. Memorial Day weekend. <sighs> All right. Justin, that's that's an episode. Anything else we want to? I mean, we got we we running. You know, we're not quite close to an hour yet. Is there anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we went? I wanted oh. to get off the like, man, this like I had a the Super Bowl so far like oh seven so long ago moment. It was a long time ago. Like a long time ago, man. Like it's, <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe that's just, you know, I, I, when you turn the 32, you're just like, man, there's some things that are like key memories that are just a long time ago. Like I had a moment, like if I was like working with someone who's like 23 or 24, you know, you know, maybe a little younger than you, where I'm like, man, I, I they would view me the way I viewed like the 31 and 32 year olds when I got like jobs at 22 years old, which is like a weird place to be in life. But, um, but it's good. My life is good really good uh going to daytona all right justin that's an episode if you're in daytona say hello how about that we'll see uh we'll see you next week until then let's go big blue